much horror business driving late at night. Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. I'm, Lee- I'm Liam O'Donnell. He's Liam O'Donnell. Hey, I'm, Lee- hey, I'm, Lee- I'm Liam it's O'Donnell. Liam. Hey, it's me, Liam O'Donnell. You are listening to episode 62 of our business. You're sounding so gruff and sexy right now. What happened? That sounds sexy. That's weird. Did you smoke a cigar? Or- Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you for even making a joke about that. Do you have laryngitis? Uh, no, I was just uh, screaming my fucking lungs out at uh, the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations event, Let's Hang Out, which yeah. we will talk about shortly. Yeah. So this episode, we're going to be talking... I, I don't know if this was on purpose. I don't know. But we're going to be talking about two films that were produced by... It's the same production company, right? Uh, Amicus? Amicus. Not only is it two Wait, films... Wait, did you just ask if it was on purpose? Well, no, no, no. There's two Amicus films. I knew that was on purpose. Okay. But there's also two films that don't represent the best parts of Peter Cushing's career. <laughs> okay. One of these films I think is pretty good. We'll get there. <laughs> We're talking about 1972's Asylum and 1974's The Beast. I mean, I will say, so these both came from the Amicus box set, and I will say that the Amicus box set, which I bought excitedly because I like Amicus, uh, maybe is not the best movies from the company. Hmm. Maybe they box them together in a way to just to like sort of move some product, but... Sort of like my four-pack of uh, Hell of the Living Dead, Nightmare City, uh, Killer Birds, or some shit like that, like the, yeah, right, the, the right, worst right. that Italy had to offer when it came to zombie movies. Possibly. Yeah. Well, Nightmare City's not that bad. I like Nightmare City. Also, not a zombie movie because no one dies and comes back. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, um, well, we'll get into it, but I, I think one of these movies is definitely worth it. Is it worth the cost of a box set? Maybe not, but uh, it's pretty good. All right. <clears throat> Before we get any further, we should tell you that this episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Fago Beverages, that's right. In Stop, <laughs> I, get out I, I have here. a bottle of Fago root beer I bought last night at a gas station because I was driving around and bored, so it's not brought to you by Fago. It's brought to you by the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, which is the premier screen printing company in the greater Lehigh Valley area. Now, Liam, yes. if I said to you, yes. I need shirts made and I'm a professional wrestler whose gimmick is I'm an old one who was accidentally summoned from the deep... And now I'm a wrestler named uh, Lou Cthulhuwitz. Well, that depends. Do you want those shirts printed in a friendly yet professional atmosphere by some of the best screen printers known to do the work? Or do you want to print it by just some random assholes? Professional? Yes. Friendly? No. (laughs) I would say that the fine folks at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, even though we know that they are, in fact, haters of humanity. Yes. Yuckers of yum across the globe. Yes. Uh, they manage to be both friendly and professional. Uh, they are fun to work with. They will work with you to make sure your designs come out exactly how you want them. Uh, and they have great ideas and access to uh, all the garments you need. You want some basic Gildans? They got you. You want some America-made Union-type shirts? They got you. You want some of that comfort color stuff because you're into like... Uh, Comfortable wh- colors? I was going to say, you're a streetwear guy or whatever. You like Wicca Face Springs Eternal. They got you. Whatever it is, they can get whatever it is that you need. And not just shirts. They'll print on all kinds of crazy stuff. I've seen them print on gym bags. I've seen, I seen them print on uh, sweatpants. He's seen it. I've seen them print seen on it. handkerchiefs. 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 
So if any of this intrigues you in some way, turns you on, <laughs> if it gets your fucking engine running, you should go to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Don't let the X's fool you. Chris Reject is a drinker. If you are on social media, they are at the LVAC on Instagram. And I figure it's safe to hype this now because this is like uh, about three weeks out. They're doing another uh, pro wrestling event. August 17th. August 17th in the Phillipsburg Mall. They are doing Mall Madness now. Yes. If you'd asked me to name it, I'd have called it Brawl at the Mall. But who am I? You, you're someone who's actually good at things I'm that you do. I'm only one of Chris Reject's oldest friends. You're actually good at things yeah. that you do. Yeah, it's weird. So there's going to be pro wrestling, vegan food, and like different vendors there. That is on August 17th at 3 p.m., uh, the bell's at 3.30, um, and that's at the Phillipsburg Mall, which is on 1700 US 11 in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. No, I'm sorry, 12. I can't read their weird flyer. They have like the purple rain font and everything. I can't read it. It's all 80s. It's very 80s. It's very 80s. It's $10. It's all ages. Both of the people on this podcast can guarantee if you go to this, you will have a fucking blast. Um, I, for those of you who are fans, we know I have some crossover fans of uh, the stuff we do at Rough Cut. Uh, fan club in theory we are going to be there selling shirts in theory i didn't quite know it started so early and i technically have work that day yes so either i'm moving my work date or i'm uh talking someone into vending for me till i get there but uh but we're signed up rough cut's going to be there if rough cut's there that means cinepunks will be there too so if you're looking for some cinepunks gear i'll have some stuff with me as cool well. i might be there i didn't realize i also didn't realize it started early i have a prior obligation that night um, but since it starts at, th- if, if the bell's at 3.30, I work till 5. Yeah. I might, I might swing by. Yeah. Yell some more. You know, that's yeah. what I do. I also want to say, uh, <coughs> talking of plugging things, uh, the weekend before, uh, I'm going to be with Rough Cut as well as with uh, my co-host for Cinepunks, Josh Alvarez. We'll be selling stuff at the Trenton Punk Rock Female Market. Cool. Which uh, culminates in a underdog Murphy's Law sunstroke show so is it nowhere roads playing that too possibly i'm not sure so you know if you're into you know the core and cool cheap stuff uh, especially if you're a person of 2x carriage uh josh's josh's uh theme tagline for his table is his loss is your gain I like uh, that. If, if you don't follow him on social media, you might not know that my co-host Josh has lost seventy pounds. It's amazing. I'm so fucking proud of him. He is he is a svelte gentleman, and that means that his two X shirts have got to go. They gotta go. Well, it's just a thing. And anyone knows this if you've lost a significant amount of weight. Keeping around your fatter clothes. <laughs> okay. It is. No, this is no, one of the no, first I, things I'm, I, I'm kind of like <laughs> fatter. Well, I'm using his like. Let's just say your clothes for larger carriage. Let's put it that way. Uh, I have. I'm personally just to, so you guys know where I'm at. I'm upgrading to larger carriage because I'm a large boy. He's I'm, a man. I'm, he's an executive gentleman. I'm. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hefty dude. Um, but yeah, they say keeping around your more hefty clothes once you've lost weight is a bad idea because you you know you have like sort of a fallback. You know what I mean? Like you have safety clothes in case this doesn't work out. And I think when you've lost as much weight as he has, and he's he's aiming for a hundred. He's he, he's aiming for a hundo, folks. That's the he plan. Is. He's trying to get down a hundo pounds from where he was at. Um, you know, uh, good luck. I hope he gets there. Point is, if you come out to Trump Park Free Market, Josh has what uh, I think you could generously call a t-shirt problem. The man likes a good t-shirt. So when I say he's selling some shirts, you might be thinking, oh, there's 10, 20 shirts. My man has 
hundreds of t-shirts. Literally hundreds of t-shirts. Do you like movies? Do you like punk? Do you like hardcore? Do you like other weird stuff that he thought was funny and decided to buy? Well, guess what? If you want it in a 2X or even an XL, some of them, he's got you covered. How many Big Johnson's t-shirts does Josh have? Uh, I don't think he has any Big Johnson's t-shirts. I'm going to ask you that one more time. He's got 20. Thank you. Uh, what he does, I know for sure have, is a shirt that I'm thinking about purchasing off of him uh, because I'm now a 2X and it's embarrassing. Uh, remember that that Allen shirt? It looks exactly like the alien design, but it says Allen? No. Oh, for a while there was this thing where this dude made these shirts that were, um, they would be bootlegs of movie shirts, only they were misspelled on purpose. So the okay. alien shirt says Allen, and then it says, <laughs> in space, no one could hear you, but in space, space. <laughs> Something like that. I've got, I've, I've, you know, whatever. I like that. Yeah. So he had, he has some of those. He has a, he has a bunch of cool shirts. Come out if you're anywhere near Trenton. Uh, we're gonna be selling rough cut stuff. He'll be selling those. Um, I think uh, the Jenko Jesus Bruce Park will be out. Shout out Hope, to the Jenko Jesus. Hopefully selling Jenkos. I don't know. And uh, Jesuses. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll see you at both of those events. So this episode is also brought to you by. You, our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much. The air in our lungs. The blood in our veins. The warmth in our hearts. We thank yeah, you so things. much. If you are interested in being becoming a Patreon, you can go to cinepunks.com backslash Patreon or patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Yeah, that one. I think it's the latter. Go there, little button you can click. You can donate $1 a month, $2 a month, $5 a month, <clears throat> $100 a month. You know, I'm not here to put limits on your spending for us. I know you're generous and we wouldn't want to hold you back. Exactly, yes. So if you'd like to become a patron of our fine establishment of the Cinepunks empire. Patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. You know what to do. Now comes the time in the podcast. Oh, yes. When the clouds part. Oh, yeah. The rain ends. The light of the burning fucking truth shines through. And I ask Liam, Liam, what have you done recently that's our related? Oh, my God. We did something together. We did a lot of things together because it's been like a minute since we recorded. I guess so. The one that immediately springs to mind is that we went with friend of the show, Adriana, Gober, uh, and saw a little movie called Crawl. Now, all cards on the table. Yeah. When that trailer first came out. You were a hater. I was like, this movie looks so fucking dumb. It's so funny because I watched that trailer and my immediate thought was, oh, this is a movie Justin would love. Really? Yeah. Oh, the, the rhythm of it was, I, I, I hate that thing they do in, like, in, in, in all kinds of trailers now where it's like, it'll be... There'll be something going on, and someone yeah. will make a noise. Yeah. In this case, it's the 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 ruler that the that or the the wind up thing that the yeah, 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 the flash yeah, yeah, yeah. like the yeah. shh, shh, and they they'll do that once, and then they'll incorporate that into the beat of like the rhythm of it, mm-hmm. and it becomes this like dumb soundtrack. Like in the new it trailer, in the music part of the part of the music, the yeah. beat is kept by Pennywise going. <laughs> I hate that. It's wow. so fuck. I just so you I, just hate like style. It's not style. I just I don't like it. I don't like it. Same with how the new, again, the new Watchmen trailer that just dropped the other day. Oh, it's so good. It looks so awesome. But how every, you know, there's like the fucking day, or the, uh, the you know, Life on Mars is playing, and yeah. it's every beat is like someone getting like punched in the face or an explosion. I hate that. I don't like it. It annoys the shit out of me. Well, since uh, you don't know anything about editing, I'm going to go ahead and ignore your opinion and uh, and just assume that whatever you think is wrong. That's, uh, the world does that already. <laughs> Let's, 
Oh, okay. So I thought you would be into it because this is what I thought the first time I saw the crawl trailer is, hey, here's a here's what looks to me to be an amusing mid-level horror movie. It'll be one of Justin's favorite of the year. Plus, I'm a huge Barry Pepper fan. Yeah, sure. Here's the thing. Uh, we thought it was really good. Yeah, um, it's funny because one of my biggest concerns with this movie also was that there's a dog in it. And it's a movie about alligators. I was like, they're going to kill the fucking dog because that's what they do. Dog's going to get eaten. Dog's going to get eaten. So I just put it out there. I was like, oh, okay, Crawl's getting really good reviews and I really want to see this. If anyone sees it, and I was specifically talking to like my, my West Co- our West Coast friends who go sure. to the, the early screenings. Sure. You know, could anyone, if, if, just, if you see this movie... Just let me know if the dog dies, because that's the only thing keeping me from seeing this movie. Right. And in his boundless yeah. Anglo-Saxon generosity, <laughs> yeah, sure. friend of the show and former guest, Al White, messaged me and was like, look, man, the dog lives. It's a great movie. You should go see it. Oh, man. And I was like, thank you, Al. He really took a lot of weight off your shoulders. He that. did. He really did. So, I mean, <clears throat> here's the thing, y'all. I, I've heard... I've heard I've told a lot of people, oh, yeah, Carl was pretty good. And their response is, what? Really? Yeah. What? Like, utter fucking surprise. Let, let's put it out there. Um, if you're someone for whom animals are not scary, first of all, you're an idiot. Yeah. Animals are fucking scary. Yeah. Uh, and granted, I, I think some people, when they see an animal attack movie, they want something more of a caricature. Like, if your favorite animals attack movie is Alligator, you might think, oh, this movie has alligators in it. Um, this is not about giant or mutant or monster alligators. This is about run-of-the-mill, everyday-ass alligators just doing what they do best. And here's the thing. It might seem kind of ridiculous. Like, well, you know, alligators aren't that dangerous. And it's exaggerated, but uh, here's the thing. Alligators kill things a lot. You know, if you live in Florida, you probably know someone whose pet was eaten by an alligator. That's just, that might sound ridiculous, but do some Googling. Yeah. It happens a good deal. So this is a movie in which folks get trapped during a hurricane, we know that happens a lot. Yes. And when they're uh, trapped during this hurricane, there's some alligators. And here's the, here's how alligators work. Uh, an alligator uh, gets a good bite on you. Then other alligators are going to know about that because they smell blood. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, there's there's stuff to kill over here. We should come over this way. And before you know it, you got a lot of fucking hungry alligators. Al- more alligators than you know what to do with. More alligators than you can shake a stick or, in this case, a shovel at. <laughs> so I mean, it stays taut. Here's the thing: is it is it? Uh, we're not trying to say here this movie is going to change the face of cinema, but if you want to have fun this summer, seeing a fun, high tension—no pun intended. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, a fun, uh, tense animal-based horror film in which you know it's not exactly realistic, but it's not over the top entirely either. No. Uh, this is the movie for you. It was a good time. I had fun with it. Um, are there little things you could complain about? Sure, 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 sure. But I don't know why you would, because I found a the performance is great, and I've you know I've seen that actress, the main actress, in other things. Yeah, and sometimes she's good, sometimes she's not. So you know she can be sort of a mixed bag. I thought she was great in this. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, the actor who plays her dad, I thought was really great. And there's not there's not a shit ton of characters. You don't need a lot of people. You, this is there's some randos who get eat. Good, fine. Yeah. And the dog lives. Dog what? lives. Sugar, sugar. The dog lives. What the fuck else do you need to know? Well, the one thing that I, I really liked about this, yeah, was that it was being hyped up as this like super intense, super brutal movie, with, like a ton of gore. And let me be clear, it was really fucking brutal. You know, it, there there was no there there was none I of this. Describe sh- it as a ton of gore, though. No, not a ton of gore, but there was some pretty intense. You know, yes. like when, yes. when when the people were getting eaten. 
I imagine that's what it looked like when an alligator would attack you. I mean, unfortunately, I've seen video, and yes, it is how it looks. It's just, it's, it, there's a lot of screaming, there's a lot of crunching, um, there's, a, there's a goodish amount of blood. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and there's... there's A lot of you not quite being dead yet? Yeah. Yeah. What, <laughs> but the thing is, when they finally begin to eat you, you're still alive. Um, or however that goes, it's Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. Um, but another thing about this movie is there was a lot of really, really well done, like slow burn. Right. Is something going to happen? Yeah, it's not like a nonstop. There are definitely moments where you're kind of, it could be a little overwhelming how much alligator action is happening. But there's a lot of moments where you're just kind of like, oh, my, oh, it's good. oh God. Oh, okay. Is Okay, we're nothing. Okay. But, but it's not cheap. It's not no. like the... You thought something was going to happen there. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, I never felt like the director was like, <laughs> fuck you guys. You know, yeah, like that, it didn't feel like that. It's earned. It's well done. It's well yes. executed. It's earned. Yes. yes. Would recommend. Yeah. I'm glad we saw it together. Yeah. With and, with Adriana in front of the podcast, podcast Sovia Verbiscar, I believe it's pronounced. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yes. That, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I totally forgot. Uh, and, you know, Ayo, go see it. Yeah. I think people have seen it. Like, I don't think it's like, doing poorly or anything no but you know it's summertime maybe you're like i just want to see spider-man again no judgment I yeah, like that's Spider-Man. totally cool Spider-Man I got was it. fun but i just think if you like scary tense movies it's, it's pretty good you know what else did you do liam i don't know you're making it sound like we did something else and now i don't oh a little thing called vhs fest we also did that i want to specifically uh say what up to all the people who you know, came and hung out for a little bit. Yeah. Talked talk us up, you know. Some friends from uh, Say You Love Satan. Um, we met the uh, some of the ladies who do the uh, Witchfinger podcast. I met a couple who had not only was the gentleman wearing an original X-Watch, but they had two fun dogs. I gave them free hard business shirts because of their X-Watch and their dogs. So if you guys are listening. Did you really? I did. You son of a bitch. Look, when you have dogs in an X-Watch... With, they were hard business shirts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can give those away. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about that. Um, but, I mean, there was the, the you know, and then there was the there was the there was the the usuals. It was always it, there's 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 a crowd at the moment in drive-in. Yeah. That these events bring that it's always good to see, and I wish I could see some of those people outside of the Mahoning Drive-in, but you know that's how life is. I mean, it, it, you know, hit us up, friends of the show, hit us up. Also, yeah. you know, we do occasionally have guests on here, so. If you've hit us up at a thing, we know each other, and you're like, "Hey, yo, I want to be on your John," let us know. We're we're down with guests. We're we're open to guests, especially if you're someone who doesn't live a million miles away, because uh, we don't get a lot of in person guests. Yeah, and, uh, I would be stoked on. It. I like our interacting with people. Although then people will see um, how much of the podcast I spend just like scratching my taint, so that's a little <laughs> embarrassing. But uh, if you're okay with that, if you're like, "That's fine, Liam's just taking care of business," then you know, business. let's record in the same in the same room together. And also, Deadly Spawn was a good time. Yeah, we watched it. I, okay, I will straight up say, for those of you who went to VHS Fest, you know this. Um, I, I kind of think the Friday lineup was a little better than the Saturday lineup. That's just my opinion. I would have liked to have seen Deadly Prey. I like Deadly Prey. Um, and I think the stuff after Deadly Prey. The thing is, for me, though, and you all know this as well, I'm not a late night person anymore. I really try. Uh, and I'm going to continue to try to stay up. But the reality is Deadly Spawn ended, and I was like, Home it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you were also there all day. So, yeah. I think, you know, later that night they did, I think, uh, Sledgehammer. I yes. would have loved to have seen Sledgehammer. Seems cool. I want to see it. Guess what? Didn't happen for me. You know, it's just how it is. I do want to say what up, though, to the Mahoning dudes, specifically because 
two VHS fests in a row. They've played the um, oh, what is the name of the group? ELF. They yes. played the ELF concert video, John. I love that shit. That's like a big nostalgic. That's like middle school for me. And uh, every time they play it, I like freak out. Like it's like like I didn't know they were gonna play it. <laughs> so they put it on. I'm just like, what? ELF is gonna rock. Nee, nee, nee. Exit the groove. It just I, I it's it tickles a nostalgia in me, and so I love that. They you were also excited about the Mr. Nasty. Look, I did not know shit about Mr. Nasty, and now that I've seen it, all of y'all who think it's the best thing ever are wrong. It's weird. It's kind of funny, but it's not funny as funny as people make it out to be. It's like you're laughing at it, not with it. My feeling, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking weird. I don't like 80s comedy. Oh, don't go like that. Okay, Come 80s on. blue comedy. Uh, I could go that way. Yeah, like yeah, Andrew yeah. Dice Clay, Sam Kinison. No, no, that but this is but this is what's so funny about Mr. Nasty though is that it has a vibe like it's going to be that kind of blue comedy, and then it's like dad jokes. Like nothing is actually gross. Like, yeah. The, when he's making fun of you, he's like, "You smell like tuna." It's like, uh, okay, I don't. You're not going to say anything worse than that, you know? Like none of it was actually what would qualify as blue for the 80s. Gotcha, gotcha. Although it was uh, the one thing about it that is a little like ridiculous is like. Um, is Mr. Nasty a hobo? Is that what he's supposed to be? Like, I mean, he's he's definitely a sex criminal. Well, people uh, people need to understand. I'm a little sensitive about the portrayal of our brothers and sisters who live on the street. So, so yeah, I get it. Plus, yeah, a little bit, but it was kind of goofy. I mean, I get it. I get the appeal, but I think some of y'all have convinced yourself it's like the funniest shit ever. No, 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 no. It's just weird, and that makes it seem more funny because it's weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was a good time. Thanks for coming. A lot of people bought shirts. Thanks for buying shirts. Thanks for talking to us. What else did we do? All right. Now you lost me. I got those two. What else did we do? Oh, I guess I just must have imagined Liam went with Josh and I to see Midsummer in Philadelphia. Oh, we didn't talk about that on here. We have not. See, we talked. See, y'all. This is the problem of having two podcasts. I talked about it a a little bit on Cinepunks. So then I forgot that we hadn't talked about it here yet. We. This was so long ago. We went. We got to go. We got the. Great privilege. Thank you, Joshua Alvarez, because he set it up, of seeing an advanced screening of Midsummer. We probably should have recorded right after that, so yes. we were a little bit fresher. But uh, I guess it's been a while. At this point, everyone's made up their minds, uh, so you don't really care what we think. But I'll go ahead and say I thought it was great. Yes. I thought it was really great. I think it is a really interesting film. Uh, one of the theories I have I'm working on that I will float about the movie is that, um, and I say theory, a lot of this is based on what, Mr. Astor has said, which is that, uh, you know, he's trying to have a happy ending here. He wants the ending to be a happy ending. Okay. But it's a happy ending for her, right? Yes. And what she's feeling is a bad thing, you know? And so what he was hoping to get is by giving her a happy ending in the most sort of demented, fucked up way possible, that that makes it more of a horror movie for you, the audience. Yeah. That you're watching this being like, oh, that's horrifying. But not for her. Yeah. And so, uh, honestly, that's how I felt about Hereditary. Uh, yeah. Our, uh, the poor girl who no one loves finally finds her purpose. Her purpose being to um, possess the dead body of her brother and bring about the end of the world. But, hey, she's got a reason to exist now. I can dig it. It's a happy ending. Yeah. Uh, is it depressing and disturbing? Sure. But I think that's what it is. And that's what I think Midsummer is. Um, I, I'll i be honest. Not only did I like it, I will probably watch the extended cut just to see where it goes yeah. and what else he has going on. 
Um, if you hated it and you think it's a piece of trash, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you. You know, mm. we do. We can we can disagree a little bit. I I think the filmmaking is there, but I get for some folks, it was upsetting for some folks for various reasons. And I and I think some of those reasons are expectations. You wanted something else, and you weren't given what you thought you were going to get. Yeah, but that's on you, right? Uh, I think for some people, there's there's to me a certain misreading of the film that is like, oh, it's a mean celebration of being in a sh- you know those feelings you have when a relationship ends and you're real you know angry about it you're real upset about it and the film kind of celebrates that and like you know um i kind of made a joke about it on twitter but i I, you know i think for some people they're like a lot of bad things happened to her uh boyfriend and you know maybe some of those things are a little excessive and what happens but uh here's the thing i don't think mr astor sees what's happening to those people as equal to how bad they are he thinks that they're bad people but it's not a one-to-one. He's not yeah. going, yeah, each of these people are assholes, so I'm going to equally punish them. Yeah. No. The entire concept here is that a bunch of these characters are in the midst of a horror film, but she is not. She's not in a horror film. She is. She's part of a horror film, but that's not what the movie's about for her. And that's sort of the balance he's trying to strike here is everyone else is in a horror film. Everyone else is in a fucked up version of Wicker Man. Yes. And she's in a breakup movie. In which bad things are happening, but that's really not the focus for her. Yeah, yeah. The focus is, hey, you know what? This community has embraced me. They've made me their queen. And, buddy, you seem in your own little world here. And maybe you should notice how how honored I am by all these people. What's going on with you? You know what? Fuck you, dude. That's what is going on for her. And I think he does a good job of, of presenting that. This it's mo- so upsetting. This movie made me go home and reevaluate every fucking relationship i've ever <laughs> like what i yeah what i brought to that relationship and how i reacted to that relationship and how i contributed i guess i don't know it, it got I, i'll be honest i wasn't thrilled about it when we walked out of the theater yep. but the more i let it marinate and the more i let it like stew and the more i like kicked it back and forth in my head um the deeper it got under my skin which is sort of like the uh Sort of like the opposite effect that uh, Hereditary had on me, where Hereditary just hits you up front, and it's just there the whole time. Well, I also think this movie's also easier to rewatch, so when people have the opportunity to and see it again, they'll be able to think about it. Whereas, like, I've watched Hereditary, I think, three times, and all three times I was like, why the fuck did I just do that to myself again? Yeah, I've seen it once. I can't, I don't, like... It's not rewatchable. No. I, there's stuff to think about there. I'm not saying there's not stuff to go over and it's, there's not interesting layers and all that shit. What I'm saying is it's real hard. It's a real hard watch. It's a rough movie, yeah. And I don't want to do it to myself again. Midsummer, you know, I saw it twice. Second time, parts of it were still gross, still upsetting. Uh, some things were a lot funnier. And uh, I don't know. The first time I watched it, it didn't click for me how much foreshadowing there is. On, on second watch, I was like... Wow, he really tells you everything that's going to happen. He mm-hmm. like really broadcasts it like, here's all the upsetting things. Don't worry. This upsetting part, it's going to happen in, in the actual movie. Just wait. It's going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just didn't pick it up until the second time I watched it. So, you know, I think it was really good. Yeah. I'm glad. I, I, I enjoyed it as well. Did you do anything else? Well, uh, this is sort of more horror adjacent, but it is to me a bit related. Uh, I watched. Um, Frankenstein's monsters, monster, comma, Frankenstein. <laughs> Talk uh, about that. It's not horror at all, 
but it does use horror as a trope within it. Basically, uh, David Harbour um, has a sh- uh, special on Netflix in which he uh, plays his own dad, who is a fictional uh, big-time actor based kind of off of like Orson Welles, who does this play, televised play, and the name of the play is Frankenstein's Monsters, Monster, comma, Frankenstein. And it's hilarious. It was a lot of fun. And I like the way it sort of, it. the actual play reminds me very much of like Hammer horror stuff. And that was fun. Cool. Because I like that kind of thing. Uh, other than that, uh, horror-wise, I mean, I think there's some trailers we could talk about in a sec. We will. But uh, as far as stuff I've watched, I haven't gotten to uh, finish a lot. I've started a couple things here and there, but you know, my time has been short. Uh, I'll be honest, watching a lot of Queer Eye. Love me some Queer Eye. I'm just going to put that out there. If you want to cry, but like happy, but guy. happy tears. Well, sometimes sad tears too, but mostly happy tears. Queer eye is, is the way to go for me. That's that's a thing that gets under my skin. Um, otherwise, yeah, not not too much, not too much horror wise. I just want to talk about Stranger Things real quick. I guess we have. It's a oh, good, that's true. It's like a I did watch that. I know, did watch that. Third season was awesome. I thought it was great. Yeah, I don't understand people. I don't understand people who were on board for seasons one and two, and then season three came, and they were like, mm, I don't like it. I don't, why? I don't, I mean, I get that. I think there's, season one is unique because we're being introduced. There's like a mystery. It's all sort of behind the cover of things. But season three to me is like the best kind of cap. It's, it's fun. It keeps going. There's a real adventure vibe. My only serious critique is, uh, there's a couple characters season three who are kind of like, we see them not knowing what to do. Like, they're, you know, a thing is happening. Yeah. And some characters are like, well, I'm going to pick up this weapon. I'm going to hit that thing. And then other characters go, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do right now. And I'm like, y'all, it's been too many. Season two, I can buy it. Here we are in season three. Every one of those kids has got to be like, well, you got to hit it, man. You got to do something because we got to get out of this. You yeah. know, I just feel like if by season four, even the scaredy cat characters aren't like picking up weapons when they need to, I'm going to, I'm going to call bull. I'm going to call bull because it's been too many seasons of crazy stuff. Uh, but that being said, I love it. I loved how they developed the characters. Um, you know, the whole, like, uh, I think the whole David Harbor as, uh, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it in case anyone hasn't watched it, but, you know, he starts the season off as kind of like weird dad, you know, jealous dad. Yeah. Uptight dad. Um, I think it's effective for what they're trying to do. Me personally, I was kind of like, you know what? I found his relationship with Eleven charming and I don't need it complicated in this way. Yeah. I think they could have accomplished a lot of what they wanted to without doing that. That doesn't make it a bad choice. I just think for me personally, I was kind of like, I don't need this right now. And the catharsis it gives me is not that important that I need this part of the story. Uh, everything else I thought, I loved Eleven developing her friendship uh, with, uh, what's Billy's sister's Max. name? Max. That's great. I thought that was great. I thought a lot of the other character stuff was great. I love our ice cream buddies. <laughs> you know, the, you know. the, the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the, 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 Steve the, and in with Thurman's daughter. Sure. Yeah. Um, the 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 the, the uh, crew over at uh, Scoops, Scoops Ahoy. Ahoy. Already, had seen so many Scoops Ahoy shirts. Jesus, it's people. nuts. Let it breathe. Come on. <laughs> um, uh, that 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 whole relationship was great. I even thought, think like the whole Russia angle is kind of fun. It kind of works for the eightiesness of it. Like 
all right, so the American government fucked up. So who immediately moves in and tries to take over the same thing? It's the Russians. Of, like, of course. I've, there's, I, you know, it's dumb, but it works for what it's trying to do. I, and, I love that know. David Harbour uh, was sort of this dealing with the Russians in this. And it was just announced yesterday that he's going to be playing um, the second or third Red Skull's character's name. Uh, the guy who dies in Winter Soldier, oh, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forget his name. Yeah, the Brubaker book. Yeah. Anyway, he's going to be in it, though. That's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, so Stranger Things was fun. Again, it's not... I'm just as skeptical of people who act like Stranger Things like suddenly invented good TV. Like it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so I get some of the backlash. It's like, come on, guys, it's not that great. Sure, 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 whatever. But it's still fun, and I don't understand why people don't have fun. It's with something that. I look forward to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was counting down July Fourth just so I could binge that and Jaws all all day on the fourth. Yeah, it's 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 like you know it's fun popcorn stuff. It's a good time. Yeah. So uh, before we get to the trailers, I just want to talk about a few movies I saw. Um, Do it. Last night, I watched a little movie on Netflix called I Am Mother. Oh, I've been curious about that. Very good. Yeah? Hilary Swank. uh, It's starring Hilary Swank. And then there's an actress whose name, unfortunately, is not coming to mind. And then there's a robot that's voiced by Rose Byrne. Sure. Um, I said on Facebook, uh, it's about this girl who lives in a bunker who's being raised by a robot named Mother, who's voiced by Rose Byrne. And she's been told that she can't go outside because all the humans are dead and the whole world is like infected with this contagion and you can't go outside and we have to restart the human race. And then one day, Hilary Swank shows up and it's revealed that maybe Mother hasn't been truthful the whole time. And that's, a, sure. that's like the first 20 minutes of the movie. But sure. uh, what I like about this is it's no secret that Hilary Swank is somewhat like an underrated actor you know she, she's yeah. you don't think of her when you think great actors but she's a great actor her entire performance in this movie was one long if you took the uh scene from terminator 2 where sarah connor or linda yeah. hammond is giving the yeah. you know you're the yeah. one living in a fucking dream that the, the yeah. one million sunblock yeah. if you took that and stretched it out to two hours yeah that's hillary swank oh that's really great it's every every single line like the girl's like well mother would never hurt us and she's like don't tell me what those things do. I've yeah. seen the things they do. Yeah. It's so great. Um, but that's like a Netflix original. It's on Netflix, obviously. You should check it out. I, oh, oh, I need to jump in real quick. What's up? I watched a Netflix original. What's that? I forgot. The Perfection. Oh. <laughs> did you watch that? this? I did not. Um, it's, it's so twisty and turny that I don't want to ruin any of the twisties and turnies for you. Okay. Uh, but I will say... Um, it thinks it's a lot smarter than it is, but that's part of the fun. And the twisties and turnies are so stupid that uh, it worked for me and I had fun with it. And there's some gross parts and whatever, whatever. I will say part of it, it's an over-the-top, very much an over-the-top kind of like uh, B-movie, popcorn movie vibe. Okay. But one of the, th- let's say, themes in the movie is uh, sexual assault. Uh I feel like if I was someone, this is one of those movies where a content warning it would be appropriate because if I was someone who was a victim of sexual assault and this movie, not that it doesn't take it seriously, but it's part of the gimmick of the movie, uh, the gimmickness of it might have offended me. Um, it didn't offend me personally, but that's because I'm lucky enough not to have had to go through that experience. So uh, I do think it's a movie that should probably come with a big old sticker on the front that says, hey, uh, you got some underlying issues around this thing 
probably don't want to watch this movie. Just letting you know, not really a kitty gloves experience when it comes to a very serious, painful issue. I appreciate that. If you aren't someone for whom that's a difficult thing, I think it's a lot of fun. It's bad. Uh, it's very much a scene-chewing, wayly overacted, completely ludicrous scenario. Uh, but I liked it. I actually liked it. There you go. So, uh, again, trigger warning, content warning, whatever it is you want to call it. Basically, if you're someone for whom assault, especially, um, it's you don't see it, but there's talk about uh, pedophilia. Mm, gotcha. So that could be really hard. It could yeah. be really hard. So heads up. Yeah. Uh, I saw the new, directed by Gary Dauberman, written by Gary Dauberman, entry in Liam's favorite extended universe. Oh, fuck. Liam's right. favorite extended universe. The worst. The Conjuring universe. And that movie Conjuring. is Annabelle Comes Home. Now, I make it no secret. I'm a, what do the kids say? A stan? It's weird how you uh, hate the Warrens. But you love, I'll, I'll, I'll but get, you love the comic book version of their life. I'm not alone in this. Oh, I know. This is a common thing. Yeah. To Pe- the, people who hate the words, yeah. love the fictionalization. She's dead now, right? Oh, I'm getting there. I'll tell you, she's uh-huh. dead. Yes, finally. Thank you. So that means you don't have to feel bad about giving her state money anymore. Um, I mean, I never really did to begin with. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, just go for it. Tell us about the. Tell us about the four millionth. Movie in the Warren the fifth, universe. I mean, the sixth. In the extended fine. Warren cinematic seventh universe. Seventh, if you count La Llorona. The Warren cinematic universe. Um, when do they get to Amityville? That's what I want to know. Okay, sorry. Go they ahead. already did Amityville and Conjuring 2, and it was amazing. Did they do Amityville and the Conjuring The two? first like 15 minutes take place in, at Ocean Avenue. That, but that's the whole thing. They're not going to do the whole thing. They don't story. need to. That was, did you see The Conjuring 2? Yeah, we saw. I thought we saw it together. We didn't see it together because I was screaming the whole time. Oh, you're right. I saw it at home. No, yeah, it's bad. I don't like it. No, that's really good. No. How it fucking pants through the window. There's one good Conjuring movie, and it's called The Conjuring. Ah, you're an asshole. Anyway, I really liked Annabelle Comes Home. Did it make the Warrens out to be Jesus superheroes? Yes. But what's new? Um, I love how in these movies, Catholic is be- being. Catholicism is magic. Yeah. It's just, uh, are, you, are you a Catholic? Well, I'm not a priest. It doesn't matter. Are you a practitioner of the Catholic faith? Yes. Then you can fight all evil. You at are at least temporarily. Yeah. At least temporarily, it'll it'll come back. It's, if, it's a small thing. If you have taken communion, you are a Catholic X Men. Yeah. And not just like B list or C list, like Bishop or Forge. You're fucking Cyclops. The disrespect is shown to, f- to a bishop on my own podcast. No disrespect. Okay, Forge. Forge is B list. Yeah, Forge sucks. Um, no, I mean, it, it, this movie didn't feel like uh, one of the spinoff movies. This movie felt like an actual Conjuring film. Uh, I don't know if it was because it was directed by the guy who wrote it, but it did a lot of, uh, you know, much in the same way with Crawl, where there's a lot of like jump scares, but there's also a lot of really well done, really well earned, actually creepy uh, sequences. There was, a, you know, there was a scene involving um, coins and Sharon the ferryman that I thought was quite effective. Um, covered my eyes in the theater and screamed to swear, which is not an uncommon thing for me because I do it all the time. But I had, I had fun watching it. You know, it wasn't perfect. Uh, there was a sequence involving a werewolf that I thought was not only unnecessary, but very badly done and very trite. Um, and the ending is sort of 
like if you had like a small dose of what the ending was going for, it would have been like cute and adorable, but it just kept going and it just became super saccharine, which is a problem with these movies is that they try to, um, they try to like give these characters like a little bit of humanity and sometimes it works and other times it's like you're, you're doing too much. Yeah. You're ladling on too much and it doesn't work. And the fucking end, there was a little stinger at the end in loving memory of Lorraine Warren. Fuck. At which point I screamed, fuck you to the screen. I don't care what the people in the movie theaters thought. I mean, I mean, it's not like I upset anyone. But you think? I hope not. There's one person in the corner crying. Yeah. Oh, she's with Ed now. She's with Ed and um, Ed and uh, the other one, the dickhead from that movie about Amityville and Ed. I fucked the Warrens. So no, I like <clears throat> I, I liked it overall. Uh, and now is the part where we get to talk about. Recently, a trailer was released. Yes, that is. It's a reimagining of a classic 80s culture. Oh, God, yes. Let's hear it. Absolutely horrific. Yes. And that trailer is for Cats. Cats! I get that this joke is already old on the internet. This is how the internet works. There was a good 24-hour period where we're all like, yeah, cats, fuck cats. And then within 36 hours, we'll be like, okay, guys, I'm done talking about cats. But here's the thing. I'm done talking about cats because it upsets me. Here's the thing. And yeah, and then of course there's the backlash. People going, "What's everyone so upset about? It's just cats." The point of the cats' fervor is not that people are out here going, "Oh man, they ruined cats." No, 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 no. They spent, I'm sure, bajillions of dollars to make a uh, big budget version of what is, I think, arguably objectively one of the worst musicals ever made in the history of musicals yeah. and it looks like a nightmare it doesn't even look good you could ha- if cats looked good it would still be shit because it would be cats but it's cats and it looks like a fucked up furry porno nightmare this movie not only lives in the uncanny valley yes this movie has built a fucking community in yeah, the uncanny valley. A, a fuck community. A furry fuck camp lives in this uncanny valley of horror in which people who you think of as people you might know and love uh, are nightmare mini cat creatures. It's insane. And it plays into all the same old dumb things. Um, I mean, having fucking Rebel Wilson show up in the trailer dumb. for another fat joke. Yep. Like uh, giving... Uh, Taylor Swift the job offensive like there's just all these things about it that are just like how did this happen how is this a good my favorite is uh someone posted a picture and they were like um you know back in the day original run of cats Judy Dench was supposed to be in cats yeah and uh while rehearsing she hurt herself she couldn't be in it this person posted tweeted I always saw that as a gift from God, saving her from the horror that is cats. But now, seeing this picture of her in the movie, I know there is no there is God. no God. We are alone <laughs> in the universe. There's no one watching out for us. <sighs> the book is better anyway. <laughs> uh, actually, what Justin uh, could have been talking about that we both were very obsessed with is the uh, new It trailer. Yeah, It Chapter Two. Um. Also, nightmare fuel, but like, intentionally so. Intentionally, this, yeah. uh, I may have to try to kill Bill Skarsgård at some point because he's <laughs> not a human being. This, <laughs> uh, oh my god, I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, it, you know, at the most basic level, you can just say it looks good. 
looks exactly what it's supposed to be. It's a it's a film version of one of the more upsetting books. Uh, what you want it to do is give you all of the upsettingness uh, while leaving out some of the chaff that maybe, you know, Coke helped Stephen King include in there <laughs> and somehow arrive on an ending that's satisfying and might be slightly less embarrassing than some of the stuff that he has done in the past. One thing I'm <clears throat> coming to appreciate about what Andy Muschietti is doing with this story is yeah. that he is interpreting some of the more unsettling parts of this. Sure. Georgie's death, Bev's relationship with her father. As we saw in the trailer, I the death of Adrian Mellon is gonna be is gonna haunt my fucking dreams, I think. Right. Uh but he's also creating these like he's doing these like kind of cool new interpretations. Like the scene that got to me most in the, that was in the trailer was the scene in the funhouse, which isn't in the book. Right. Where Bill Denbro was like there's this little kid running through like a hall of mirrors and I don't know if Bill witnessed Pennywise stalking him or something like that, but he's like trying to get to this kid and then they're separated by like a thin pane of glass and on the other side of this child is fucking Pennywise. Just looking, you know what it reminded me of? Um, you know the, the Twilight Zone movie? You know the scene, the movie yeah. that John Landis murdered a man on camera yeah. with two children with two? Yeah, yeah. No, got away with not it. just a man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, three people got away with it. Um, he, he cried at a funeral. Though, he did, so yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and later got gripped up by fucking Eddie Murphy's henchman, which I love. Yeah, I love that. Um, there's a vignette in that that's sort of the, um, it's based on the Bill Mooney episode, the yeah, original, yeah, yeah, the kid yeah. who can think shit. Yeah. And this little boy brings cartoons to life. And I mean, like, not just like anime, I mean, like, they're actual, like, flesh and blood cartoons. It's upsetting. It's so fucking weird. That's what Pennywise looks in, looks like in this. Right. He looks like, or it looks like a cartoon that's come to life. And I, it's just, it's, it's, it's true nightmare, nightmare fuel. I mean, okay, so y'all remember we did a whole episode on this, John, the first movie. And I'm sure my criticism is going to stand, which is that uh, by editing out some of the awfulness of Derry, we miss out on some of the the dualism in the book, which is yeah. like, does Pennywise make Derry awful? Does Derry, is Derry a good habitat for Pennywise? Because it was already awful. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure this movie isn't going to go, oh, guys, remember all that racism and and, and uh, other shit I left out of that first movie? Injecting it in here. That wouldn't make sense. But it could thematically get on the same page. It's going to have to. If it has Adrian Mellon, it's going to have to talk about the homophobia of it all. Yeah, so I think it could still get to that. And if it does, I think that'd be great. I think it would, not that it needs to fix the first movie, because the first movie isn't broken, but there's just parts of the first movie that I feel like don't... I get why they left out parts of the book. It'd be hard. It'd be hard. But it's the same as, like, you know, my man Phil Nobile... Your your friend of mine over at flight, you know my 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 your flight buddy, my first class over mate. at Fangoria. You know he pointed out like the thing about Stranger Things is like no one says any racist or homophobic shit, which is like not the eighties. There's no group of uh, white teens in the eighties who never said something awful. Now I would argue with Stranger Things, it kind of makes sense. It's not real. It's a cartoon. Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, it isn't actually a sanitized comic book version of the eighties. You know, at least the first movie. So I think it would have made sense to have a little bit more grit in there. Yeah. Uh, this movie, though, I think thematically will get at those things, even though it left out some stuff that I think is kind of important to the story. I also agree with you, though. I'm less worried about the stuff it left out and more fascinated by the stuff he's bringing in. Yes. Uh, with the idea that, like, 
he could actually do something new, which is the hardest, you know, so far with Stephen King, there's two models. Try to do what he did in the book, but with less imagination and not enough money. Turns out that doesn't work out. Uh, or do something completely new uh, that only vaguely relates to the book. Like Lawnmower Man. Uh, I would argue that one movie does that pretty well and is relatively successful, The Shining. Yes. And another movie tries that and utterly fails and is a rope bummer, Lawnmower Man. <laughs> uh, or it can be really funny and be its own thing and you can just rename it something else, such as The Running Man. The Running Man and Longest Long Walk are almost completely unrelated. You know, no, like, the running, the running man. Oh, that's what running man is. Uh, yeah, the running. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, I got yeah. confused. But they're almost completely unrelated. Like you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. very, they're not even similar stories. Uh, it's still fun though. It's yeah. still fun. Uh, what I think what Muschietti's trying to do is he's keeping to the book, but then he's trying to add new things that keep to the book in a way that matters because you can't. There's no way to do all the things that are in the book in the movie. And even if he did, some of them wouldn't work. You yeah. Know? I would argue, and I think we talked about this before, some of the classic monster stuff that's in the book wouldn't work as well, I don't think. Because I don't think we care anymore. People don't... There's not the same resonance culturally, I don't think. No, but they... Not to, not to get too far off on a tangent, um, it's, I'm not the first one to say this, but they very easily could have replaced, like, let's say um, how in the book Richie was terrified of... Um, Michael Landon's I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Sure, sure, sure. If you put that to the 80s, like what movie monster in the 80s were kids afraid of? Freddy Krueger. Yeah. New Line owns the rights to Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it could have been. It they could have done yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's fair. But I'm just saying like there are things that might not work. They might work. And it's it's kind of up to the, each viewer and to the creator to decide what that looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, He's yeah. just going to do what he's going to do. But, um, but I am really excited to see what new things they're going to do in this. That, like, I'm terrified to see what Stan sees before he... Yeah. Takes the bath. <laughs> Rest in power, Stan Yaris. Uh Now, here are two trailers. I don't know if I brought up to you. I didn't tell you to watch them, so this is my fault if you didn't watch them. Have you seen the trailers for... Did you see the trailer for the Rabbit remake? Oh, I didn't realize the trailer was out. I haven't yeah. watched it. Okay. Oh, right. That was what the whole controversy was about with yeah. the Soskas. I, I should have found it. I didn't get a chance to find it. Yeah. It's cool. It's okay. fine. I mean, I think uh, the Soska sisters are very charming, uh, but I don't love any of their movies. I wish them the best, and I hope the Rabbit remake is great, and I'm excited. I'm actually really excited to see it, because I think it's a movie that could benefit from a good remake, but a lot of people are like, oh, they're per- perfect people to remake it, and I'm like, I don't love any of their other movies. No, I mean, they're fine, but... <laughs> yeah, they're fine. I mean, I think they're very... Uh, nice people you know and i think uh they know a lot and they seem very knowledgeable about horror and you know i i don't have any beef with them per se but i wasn't like oh they're doing it great i love their other films it's like yeah they're fine i don't i I will say the one cool thing that they're doing apparently is the people who are in there's a shot in the trailer where there's like the reconstructive surgery part sure and the the surgeons are dressed like um jeremy irons and uh oh i like that dead ringers yeah that's really cool okay what was the other one uh, the other one was the Jacob's Ladder trailer, the remake. I did watch that trailer. How do you feel about that? Looks bad. Um, Jacob's Ladder is a movie that's difficult to remake, I think. Um, it's certainly going to be difficult to remake it with the same ideas 
uh, but with more of an action-packed thriller vibe. Uh, you know, that's not to say that parts of the original Jacob's Ladder are not thrilling, but uh, but the movie was never that. It no. was never that. And this trailer is very much like a zip zow wah, edge of your seat. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. I don't. Uh, I want to be on the edge of my seat because I'm upset, not because I'm like, what's good? And, and um, if you've seen Jacob's Ladder, there's enough in the trailer for you to go, so we're, so we're going to do the same thing or we're going to do just a variation of the same yeah. thing? That's fine, but it doesn't, you know, this is the, the, okay, so this is the thing. This is why some people we're friends with hate remakes. This is also, though, I think why some people defend remakes. The remake itself isn't the problem. It's that people are never sure why they're making a remake in the first place. Yes. It feels like, it feels like people um, don't go in really knowing what it is they're going to do. So they either just use the title and do whatever the fuck they want. That could be great, but you know, you're taking a chance. Yeah. Or they just try to do what happened before, which is like, I don't think old things are bad. So I don't need the new version of the old thing. If it's the same fucking thing, I want you actually to do something new. But of course, it's like they wanted. If you take the title of something and you do something completely new, then you have to deal with my skepticism. I'm sorry. You just do. If you don't want my skepticism, then do something completely different. Title it something completely different. And then when you're on set, go, okay, guys, this is basically a remake of blah, blah, blah. But, you know, uh, it's my own version of it. I just want you all to watch that original thing, have it in mind, and then I'm doing my own thing with it. You know what? A lot of people fucking do that. A lot of movies exist as original products that were very much based off of, you know, other things. They're like homages to other movies. That's fine. Um, if you take the title of a thing I already love, then I'm going to come in with skepticism. That doesn't mean I'm not going to like it. Yeah. Great great example that we've talked about before, the Suspiria remake. Mm-hmm. I think the Suspiria remake is great. I really think it's great. Uh, but the fact that some people came in and were like, well, it's not Suspiria. I don't like, I don't like it because it's not Suspiria. As much as I kind of judge them for being a little close-minded, that was also the risk you took when you named your movie fucking Suspiria. Yeah. Like, you just had to take on that burden. Um, I think because people don't want that burden or because they just don't have any original ideas, they just make a cooler version of the old thing. If you're going to do the cooler version thing, the original better... You know, okay, let's let's talk about this. A filmmaker we love, George Romero. Yes. Had some hits. Had some misses. Had some misses. If you saw right now an ad for a... It doesn't even have to be high budget, but like a mid-budget remake of Knight Riders, <laughs> his Motorcycle Knights movie. Yeah. I don't know about you. I would be stoked because I'm like, hey, that's a movie that didn't quite work. Let's do that. That yeah. sounds great. But if someone's like, you know, I'm going to make a big budget, high concept version of Martin. Fuck you. Martin's perfect. Why do you want? Why? What are you bringing to Martin that I that I don't already have? Yeah. N- uh, nothing. Now, maybe they're like, eh, I'm doing my version of Martin, but it's actually this. This is my cool new idea. That could work. I, I, in other words, I don't want to like shit out. You know, remakes are bad because you know they don't have to be bad. Remakes could be great. So like George, like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, exactly. The Night of the Living Dead remake is great, and it does its own thing, but it also keeps the original. Like it, it sort of walks that line. Yeah. Um, but with this fucking Jacob's Ladder thing, man, it just looks like a sexy version of something that doesn't need a sexy version. Fair enough. 
in, in my mind. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Are you stoked on it? Are you like, it looks really good? I'm morbidly curious. I don't think it looks good, but it has me like, it's got its fucking fish hooks in my meat. Right. So it's like. Which I, is your favorite sex move. It is, yes. The, it's it also, you know, from it's a Hellraiser. I'm Larry Cotton. Is it fucking. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work just because it's such a specific movie from a specific time in a specific place. Yeah. Um. I mean, you could transplant like post Vietnam anxiety to like post endless war anxiety that we're feeling now. Right. I don't know, but well, it, it, it's technically not post because I don't think we've actually finished a war. Uh, that's yeah. since the first Desert Storm. Yeah, we haven't decided to wrap up a conflict in a long time. We just we just keep it going. It's yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is the big news that came out of uh, Hall H at San Diego Comic Con last night. We got some news we were expecting. The Eternals, Shang-Chi, yeah. Black Widow movie, yeah. Doctor Strange. And then we got some shit that no one saw coming. They're making a fucking Blade movie with Mahershala Ali. Here's the thing, y'all. I've seen some people be like, what about my man Wesley Snipes? What about him? Fuck him. Dude's old. Yeah. And he was a real pain in the ass to work with. He, he was, was a, a real, nightmare. He was a nightmare. If you wanna, he did a whole scene with his eyes closed and they CGI'd eyes on him. If you want to read about fucking people being dickheads on the sets of films they're making, yes. people always say, like, oh, Marlon Brando in The Island of Dr. Morrow or anything else he did. Google Patton Oswald Blade Three Wesley Snipes yes. for some of the stories that he told about this. Because it's like, you hear like David Goyer talk about it and you're like, eh, maybe it's just like yeah. sour, sour grapes. Yeah. But... By all intents and purposes, from from all accounts, Patton Oswalt and Wesley Snipes got along. Yeah, and Wes and Patton Oswalt's like, yes, he was still a fucking crazy person on the set. Yeah, of that. yeah, it's nuts. So I don't really want another movie with Wesley Snipes. I th- I'm stoked. I think it's you know now's the time to go back to Blade. If it wasn't for Blade, we wouldn't have a fucking MCU. Nope. I mean, not even just MCU. If it wasn't for Blade, we wouldn't have probably the comic book movies we have now. Nope. It, you know, it blew that whole world open for us. Uh, and so I think it's a good time to come back to it. Plus, let's inject some of the spooky back into Marvel. Like, if there's something these Marvel movies have missed, spooky. Yeah. No Mephisto. I mean, you, you've got one magic character, basically. Yeah. And he's done some cool stuff, but there's, you know, there's no Dormammu. Where's fucking Blackheart? Where's Despair? Give me that. I've I've loved the joke about you know let's get let's get a Moon Knight crossover in the Blade movie just so we can get that scene where he's like uh, have you seen that clip of him I don't even know what issue Moon Knight is where he's like Dracula you fucking nerd Co- where's, my money? where's my money yeah yeah the- <laughs> I want that in a movie yeah, yeah, so bad yeah. Um, yeah anyways here's here's the deal y'all it's gonna be I mean don't get me wrong this is here I will say this. Hall H happens and all of us act like every Marvel movie is good and that there's no danger here and that we're going to be great for the next five years. We're not idiots. There's a chance that all these movies could be bad. It's 100% possible. I'm not over here being like, oh, well, they've given me a title card. Clearly, I'm in. Like, yeah, I get it. But it's a promise that they're trying new things for me, at least. Uh, Horror, Doctor Strange movie? Yeah. Cool. Blade? Cool. Uh, fucking lady. Th- oh, let's just say a female Thor. People have been pointing out it's weird that we keep calling her Lady Thor. Yeah, because they're like, okay, so when Thor has a dick, he's just Thor. But when Thor doesn't have a dick, he's Lady Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw someone post. I didn't even realize what it was about. First, someone goes, uh, "Excuse me, y'all. Uh, uh, it's actually Thor and Dude Thor." And I was like, 
what are they? Oh, oh, I see. Yes. Okay. Fair. I like that. That's fair. Uh, anyways, point is, it looks like they're taking some chances. Even going with the fucking Eternals, a book as a deep nerd, I would say a, a deep comic nerd. I'm like, um, who's that again? Yeah. <laughs> I love, I actually think it's great they're taking those chances. Um, I will say, uh, if you're out here and you're a big Marvel skeptic, I totally get it. Like, uh, I don't think it's helpful to be on Twitter being like, all oh, y'all are assholes. Cause it's like, we're excited. No one cares that you don't, you're not excited. It's cool, whatever. But I do get it. Like there's a part of me, my relationship to the Marvel movies is probably maybe not as much because you're just all in on the conjuring, but it's, it's how I imagine your relationship should be to the conjuring movies, which is like, I love these things, but I get that. It's like weird. Like it's weird that I'm like, at Disney's teat, like thank you, Master Disney. I'm not. At, have I'm more? not at James Wan's teat, and I'm fully aware of how weird my hatred of the Warrens is. Yeah, it's weird that I like am this stoked on a Disney product because I'm pretty skeptical of Disney. If anything, that's straight Disney. I'm like kind of hostile towards it. So it's weird that I'm all in with Marvel, but I am all in, even admitting that sometimes the movies don't always work, and sometimes I don't love the movies that I want to. When they announce a new thing, I'm. I want to know about it. I want to see it. I'm curious, especially when like it looks like to me they're taking a lot of chances. Shang Chi, you, know? you know. Yeah, that's that's a. It's cool that we're gonna have a movie with that much money with that many Asian leads. Yes. Period. That in and of itself, you know, there's only been so many movies in the last decade that were major Hollywood films with that many Asian leads. That's like a cool thing. Yeah. So in and of itself, there's a lot of stuff to be there to be excited about. Uh, but if you're a skeptic, I totally get it. You don't have to love Marvel to love this podcast, but. I'm stoked. I'm stoked too. Man, also, we're probably going to talk about that Doctor Strange movie because in theory it's going to be, I mean, maybe it won't be. Maybe they're blowing smoke up our asses. But in theory it's going to be a horror movie. That's kind of cool. They've straight up said it's going to be a horror movie. Yeah. Them saying it and it actually being a horror movie are not the same thing. But if it is, I'm stoked on that. I think that's really cool. I'm into it. Yeah. So I guess we're going to take a quick break and we come back, we're going to talk about 1972's anthology film, Asylum, you have nothing to lose but your mind. (laughs) We'll be right back. All right. Come to the asylum. Come to the asylum to get killed. Come to the asylum. Yes, I think the time has come to take violence toys away from you. To get killed. Come to the asylum. (laughs) To get killed. Asylum. Now you hurry and get dressed, and I'll go down the hall and... uh... Asylum, starring Peter Cushing, Britt Eklund, Herbert Lom, Patrick McGee, Barry Morse, Barbara Parkin, Robert Powell, Charlotte Rampling, Sylvia Sims, Richard Todd, James Villiers. Asylum. (laughs) Asylum. The most exciting film you'll ever see. And we are back to talk about 1972's anthology film, Asylum. 
Directed by Roy Ward Baker, written by the fucking man Robert Block, and starring Barbara Parkins, Richard Todd, Sylvia Sims, Peter Cushing, Barry Morse, Ann Furbank, Charlotte Rampling, Mike Jenkins, Herbert Lom. Herbert Lom was in this? Yo, my man, Brian Sawyer, Herbert Lom, Repairman Jack. That's what's up. It's enough Paul Wilson reference that. My man, crypto, crypto terrestrial currency will get. Sure. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. Just sent him some stuff. Yeah. So this movie is an anthology movie. Yeah. Um, it's just about this guy who goes, this doctor who goes to try out at a an audition, if you will, at an asylum to be a new doctor. And the main doctor at the asylum tells him, oh, this guy, former doctor here went crazy. Uh, his name was Dr. I don't even know. Dr. Bumpkins. And we have four patients that you have to interview. And you have to guess which one of them is the former doctor because he went crazy. And so, of course, our young doctor goes, interviews these people, and he yeah. has to guess which one of them, if any of them, is the doctor. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it's not. None of them were. Yeah. It was the orderly that we saw for like a minute. Yeah. Which you called immediately. No, no. I said, I bet he's the doctor. He himself, the young doctor, is they're like... Oh, I thought you meant the orderly no, when you said no, it. Oh, no. I knew it was the orderly immediately. Yeah. Okay. So, let's talk about this movie. Let's break what 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 are the various So, each of the patients is a, is a story in the end. Well, let's start off with something. We have a rule, horror business rule of horror number 35. What is that, Liam? Tell us. If your wraparound story is bad, then your anthology movie is also going to be bad. Yes. The wraparound story is bad. It's not terrible. I've it's, seen worse. It's t- like what? Okay, I can't think of. This one is the worst. worst one I've ever seen. You think it's the worst? I think this is the worst one. Even I no, 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 no. I have to think about even that. the one for Necronomicon Book of the Dead, as thinly as thin as it is, is still more coherent than this one. What about uh, the first VHS? Better than this? Really? Yes. All right. I think we had different. No, because you know, you know, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the episode of The Simpsons, the one Halloween episode. Where Homer's telling like scary stories, he's like, and then the ghost came out, and it was the husband, and and Lisa's like, so, and Homer's like, he was dead, oh, and he was holding a baseball bat, and Bart's like, and, and he's like, baseball was favorite sport, and Lisa was like, I thought tennis was, she turned the lights on, that's what this movie was like, they're like, no, that's how fucking bad this was, they're like, and then the man who wanted to turn into a doll turned into a doll. And killed the doctor. It was just. It was just. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't. I. I will say, the wraparound story is bad. I don't think it's that. It didn't ruin the movie for me completely, but it's not great. It's certainly not interesting. No. And I, as far as I was concerned, the orderly was the doctor. I knew it the whole. Time. That's the one thing I was able to figure out. Okay. What's the what are the stories with it? Uh, I actually like some of these stories. The first one was called The Frozen Fear. It was about um it was told by a young woman named Bonnie who she was the lover of a man who was married to a uh, heiress in New York City and they were plotting to kill her and when they actually do kill her they like dismember her body and the body parts reassemble and, or they don't reassemble they individually attack and kill the husband because she studying voodoo which they sort of talk about like there's this throwaway line about like she's involved in non-white religions 
Which is enough to be yeah. a source of horror in England. Yes. There's, as, not, there's not white. There's browns involved. As we, as we know. Yes. Uh, I, liked, I liked that story. Yeah. Parts of it were really great. I actually like all the ones except the very end. Uh, the next one was called The Weird Tailor, which is one of my nicknames. Uh, it was about the, the main character is Bruno. Right, 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 right. Bruno was a tailor, and he talks about how uh, when he was a tailor, he was about to get evicted when a man named Mr. Smith, played by Peter Cushing himself, shows up and asks him to produce a suit of clothing from a mysterious scintillating fabric that must only be sewn after midnight. So he sews the suit for him, and he goes to take it to the uh, Mr. Smith's house. Mr. Smith says, I have no money to pay the suit. They get in a fight, and Bruno kills him. It turns out that Mr. Smith was planning on using the suit to reanimate his dead son. They, Bruno takes the suit back to his shop. His wife puts the suit on their mannequin. The mannequin comes alive for like two seconds, and then it ends with the creepiest line in the whole movie, he's still out there somewhere. That's pretty good. It was terrifying. I like that one, too. Yeah, that was good. And I, I will say, um, you know, Peter Cushing is just being the person we assume Peter Cushing is in that particular role. Well, I wanted to talk about this for a second. But I'm into it. I never got too into the Hammer Horror Yeah, films. that's not really your vibe. So when I see Peter Cushing, I don't think like spooky. I think like Grand Moff Tarkin. That's... I mean, I get it because that was my first exposure yeah. as well. But I, I've seen... Hmm, here's the thing. What constitutes a lot of Hammer Horror... I've seen a lot compared to you, but have I seen a lot compared to people who would qualify as fans of Hammer Horror? No. I've seen, uh, I've probably seen six movies with Peter Cushion. Okay, that's enough. That's enough to be like, I have a vibe of who he is, yeah. you know, but you know, my man did a lot of John's, so I would not, I don't want to, in other words, I'm not trying to be a poser. Y'all know we're not experts per se. No. I'm not a Peter Cushing expert, but I do feel like him showing up and just being like, it's me, Peter Cushing, in a role. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'm going to do that. That's good. He carries both these movies. I'm not going to lie. He really... He certainly carries the next one we're going to do. Yeah. I would say more so the next one. Yeah. Uh, The next vignette is Lucy comes to stay, where the ebullient barber informs Martin she has been in an asylum before. After her release from the facility, she's closely monitored at home by her brother George and the nurse, Miss Higgins. This frustrated existence is relieved when her mischievous friend Lucy comes to visit. Surprise, Lucy's not real. Right. Mm. I've I've seen I in fact, uh y'all know that I work uh as a substitute teacher during the school year and uh there was a student play uh just as the school year ended at the uh charter arts yeah. school and it was basically the same idea. I mean I mean I'm sure she wasn't ripping it off I would bet money that the young woman who wrote the student play had never even heard of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this idea of like, oh, my friend, oh, they're not real, is just a very common trope or whatever. Um, uh, I fell asleep during this one and had to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> I, when we first watched the movie, I slept through the entirety of this and woke up for the next story. The um, next story is called Mannequins of Har. Mannequins spelled with a K. Martin interviews Dr. Byron, who holds Rutherford in contempt. Rutherford is the um, head of the asylum, the creepy guy from Silence of the Lambs who was always ogling Jodie Foster, if you will. It's a very complex and unnecessary comparison. Byron explains he's working towards soul transference with a small automaton whose head is a likeness of his own, showing Martin several models. Byron plans to will his mannequin to life. He explains the interior of the robot is organic, a miniaturized version of his own viscera. 
Martin includes his interview and Mac shows him downstairs to deliver his judgment to Rutherford. This wasn't a fucking story. This was a guy talking. Right, right. This was stupid. The epilogue is that Byron brings his mannequin to life. It makes its way to Rutherford's office and kills him with a scalpel. Martin destroys the mannequin, which results in the death of Dr. Byron and seeks help. Dr. Starr's true identity is revealed. It is Max Reynolds, who has murdered the real, real Reynolds before. He then strangles Martin to death. And the movie ends with a new candidate shows up and is met by Dr. Starr. Weak AF wraparound story. Yeah, I mean, the, the toy story, to me... I guess it's not a toy. The mannequin story to me is just part of the wraparound. It's, it's just a, an extension it's like of the wraparound. It's a bad Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I didn't like it, but I'm not as upset by it as I feel like you are. Because I think, for me, I expected something cornball. Yeah. And then I got something cornball. So I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, this is cornball. I think it was bad. I thought it was cornball. That's how I felt about it. Um Three of the stories are very good, though. I get yes. Here's here's the thing about this movie. This movie has a lot of weight. I feel like a lot of people who like this kind of horror. By this, I mean British people shit. This I think carries a lot of weight for people as like a big time anthology film. I again, I think if you don't hate the wraparound, then the movie kind of works for you. Yeah. If you hate the wraparound, does the movie work for you? I can't. I, I cannot, much as I have a hard time separating the art from the artist, right. I cannot separate a bad wraparound story from the from the vignettes that compose an anthology. It just, I cannot do it. I think the first one's really good. I think the effects are obvious, like you know how they're doing it, but they're used pretty well for what they are. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, but it works. I, I, I wasn't like, this is dumb. It was like, okay, this is, you know. Whatever. Um, I also, though, so here's the thing. What year is this movie from? 72. I've seen every single one of these stories ripped off a million times. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's a part of me when it ended that I was kind of like, it's all kind of predictable, right? Like, it's all kind of like what you expect. It's kind of like. It has resonances with other things. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, this is from 1972. How many of those things were just ripping off this thing? Also, this movie was written by Robert Block. Right. So that carries some weight. Yeah. I I don't know. I uh, Man, I don't like the episodes where we don't love the thing. I feel like we no, gush a lot more we could, when we love the thing. Yeah, we could also talk, and I do want to talk about, are you a Robert Block fan? I don't know. I only know a few things. I don't know. Have you read any of his like uh, weird fiction? His like Cthulhu Mythos stuff. I, I like the limited. I don't. I just don't have the deep Lovecraftian. Like I've read a couple of Lovecraft related Johns. Okay. And I've read like three Lovecraft Johns, and that's okay. about it. I want to talk about something real quick when it comes to like Robert Block. So we're we're talking. This is an anthology film from 1972, which means it was I'd say one of the earlier anthology films in horror, if not maybe the first. I don't know. And he had a hand in it. He wrote this movie. Have you ever read the short story uh, Notebook Found? Is it Notebook Found in an Abandoned House? No. In a Deserted House. Um, it was written in 1951 by uh, Robert Block, and it was basically a found footage movie before there was like found footage. Mm -hmm. It's like what we're reading is the concepts of a notebook that was found in this empty house in the middle of the woods. And it's about this, it was the journal of this like little kid who was living there who 
as the story unfolds, we find out that there are uh, worshippers of, uh, I don't know, I don't think it's Cthulhu, the goat, the black goat with a thousand young. I'm not going to say the name because it's a racial slur. Um, and we are reading this, and this it unfolds in the same way that like a found footage film uh, unfolds. Uh, and I just think it's 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 kind of cool how we have a writer like Robert Block who was so deeply inserted in the way horror has unfolded over the past 50 years. You know, not just with Psycho, but with the whole found footage format, and you know, this with the uh, anthology horror film format. I just think it's 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 quite interesting. I uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about how a um, don't you feel like you've seen things that have the resonances of asylum, like the which one is the real the real doctor? Yeah, um, I can't quite tell you what they are off the top of my head, but I've seen them before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I think the the weird tailor is sort of like a. I don't know if it's just that the guy wants his son come back to life, but I kept thinking about like the monkey's paw. Sure. Just like you know, you know that sort of weird. Uh, I don't want to say folk car, but that's not what it is. But it's sort of it's almost like there are these there are these all these like timeless formats. Uh, like the first one is almost like something vaguely like the telltale telltale heart. Right. I mean, they, it's it. It also reminds me of. Um... What's the one from Creep Show where the guy uh, murders his wife? Oh, something that tied you over with the Ted yeah. Dan's in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, I mean, and this goes back to horror comics, right? The um, the vengeful spouse you murdered. Yes, that's a big theme, in, you know, going back to the fifties, EC Comics, whatever. You know, you yeah, know, yeah, stuff, whatever. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, the what is the third story again? The third story was uh, Lucy Comes Over, the imaginary friend. So, I don't know. The the Of these three, okay, so yes, the wraparound is bad. But of the three stories that sort of constitute like the main sort of meat of the movie, the something about the imaginary friend thing, you know, which can be taken a few different ways. The imaginary friend is not that different than the multiple personalities where which like which personality is real or the or the person who doesn't who doesn't know they're dead right oh yes 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 yeah. yes, yes um that for whatever reason that theme kind of resonates with me the least uh and i don't know why I, maybe there's other versions that i would like more or i've appreciated more but like the imaginary thing friend thing it always uh it always makes me think of not that it's the same but it reminds me of, did you ever see that movie identity no, man, it's real bad. It's okay, like a, it's like a murder mystery thing. Okay, and then you find out that all the all the uh, people in the murder mystery are just personalities in this psycho's head, and this psychiatrist is like trying to suppress the different personalities so the one good personality will. Oh, come out. hang on a second. That had, I think John Cusack was in it. Yes, and it's like the hotel. Yeah, it's terrible. And it's not the only movie like that. There's a lot of movies with that sort of thing. Now, granted, this isn't exactly that, but it always feels a little bit like that to me. I just find it so stupid. It just doesn't... I, I, I don't know if I'm being sort of unfair, but something about that version of... Because what we're really describing here, 
is a mental health issue, right? Like you think Lucy's real because you have a problem, whether that's, you know, schizophrenia or multiple personality or whatever it is, you're not out of touch with reality. And that version of being out of touch with reality just isn't my favorite. It's cheap. It feels very cheap and corny. But yeah. he, but I put to you, is that because we've seen it done so many times or is it actually cheap? But okay, but that's my question about the whole movie. My my issue with Asylum, I had fun with it overall. I, I actually really felt like it was it was pretty fun. Like I said, the that Lucy story was not my favorite, but overall I was like, Yeah, that was fun, it was a good time. It's yeah. fine. Is it not more appealing or more charming or more interesting because it's well, and I don't even want to say people were ripping off this. Maybe no one's ever seen Asylum, but that what Asylum is related to, what these stories are related to, are so common tropes that watching it now, we couldn't possibly connect with it the way if you saw this in 1972, would it have a much bigger impact? You know what I mean? It's like when people, when young people now are like, Halloween, who cares? Because they've seen so many generations of slasher movies. What could Halloween possibly matter to them? Yeah. You know, if you're, uh, put it in a music contest, right? Context, right? If your first metal record is some sort of like insane death metal, or even worse, something stupid, like a slam band is how you got into metal. Maybe the first time you hear Rain and Blood, you go, you know, what's a, what's the big deal? But the first time you hear Master of Puppets, you're like, I guess it's okay. I don't know. What's a, why is this good? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, is there a sense in which it's hard to connect to art from the past when you are so familiar. It's almost like the familiarity makes it hard to identify. With. I was going to say, I think I should cut, I'm, I'm actually willing to cut this movie a little bit of slack when it comes to having like a whack wraparound story because this movie was made in a time when they didn't know those rules that we made up. <laughs> that we made up. That we made up. But by the way, are very true. Are actually true. If you're making an anthology film, hear our fucking yeah. words. So it's like, these. They're, 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 breaking, they're breaking ground for this and it's like, this was made in 1972. This was made over 25 years before they started making good horror anthology films like Tales from the Dark Side, uh, Creep Show, Tales from the Hood, Necronomicon, <laughs> all those other ones. That's a good one. So I, I, I guess that it could just be chalked up to, you know, they're just feeling it out, you know? Yeah, it's hard to say that. We don't want to give too many movies a break like that um, because... We want to evaluate these movies partly based upon our response to it. And I don't think either one of us were super impressed with Asylum in and of itself. But I do wonder, with this specifically, if there is a little bit of it being like, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Hey, I, I've I've seen an episode or two of uh, Tales from the Dark Side. I know what's up. Yeah. You know? And meanwhile, if we had seen this movie in 1972, then some of the things that it feels familiar with would have hit us as like, Oh, this? Yeah, this is. Uh, they did this in Asylum. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't 1972, know. 1972, that was... I, was that so long ago that if I had like a panic attack during the movie, I would go home and put some leeches on the draw out the bad blood and the vapors from me? <laughs> no, but you might have taken some laudanum, right? Yeah, or something some, like some cocaine. They still took fucked up shit in 1972. That was still in the time where people's mental health medicines were crazy. Um so, I don't know. I didn't hate this movie. Yeah, I don't want to shit on it too much because I don't like doing that. And I think the first story, the first and second story, I think are still very amusing. Um, but man, that wraparound, that was not great. So, I guess we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about 1974's Who Done It 
spectacular. The beast must the die. The beast must die. We'll be right back. When the moon is full, the beast must die. One of you is a werewolf. You must track down the werewolf. One of these eight people is a werewolf. Can you guess which one? 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 One of these eight people will turn into a werewolf. Can you guess who it is when we stop the film for The Werewolf Break? See it. Solve it. But don't tell. The Beast Must Die. Rated PG. And we are back to talk about 1974's Werewolf Who Done It. Peter Cushing, John, the beast must die. Immediately, we have to identify, since we're talking about rules that we've developed here in Horror Business. What is a fucking rule, a hard and fast rule when it comes to werewolves? Horror Business, rule of horror number 16. Your werewolf movie is only as good as your werewolf design. And by werewolf design, we don't mean if it's a werewolf design that we particularly think is good or bad because I don't think the werewolf design in an American Werewolf in London is particularly I'm not a fan of it. But it's effective. But it's effective. Right. This uh this movie is very effective if your thought is, you know what would be really terrifying? A dog. If you took a German Shepherd and then you put uh f- extra fur on it. Like it, it's basically wearing it's basically a dog. It's not a German Shepherd, but it's basically a dog Wearing uh, what is in effect a gray hoodie. Yes. But the gray hoodie has bigger ears and extra fur on it. That's it. That's what it is. What's crazy is it's not like wolves don't exist. Now, maybe they just didn't have the budget to get an actual wolf. But uh, here's a thought. Get a German fucking shepherd. Not only is it just a dog, it's not even a particularly large dog. No. It's just a normal dog like your neighbor would have. Yeah, my neighbor has a German Shepherd. But then they put some junk on top of it to make it look vaguely bigger, which it does not do. No, and we'll get there. What makes this dog? What makes this werewolf design? What makes this? What makes this werewolf even scare or even sillier? Yes. So the plot of this movie is: there's this guy, Tom Newcliffe. He invites. He's rich. He's rich. He invites a bunch of people to his rural English mansion, and his wife's there. And he reveals that one of them is a werewolf and therefore must be killed. He's a big time hunter dude yes. who likes danger and excitement and he has unlimited funds. And why does he want to kill a werewolf? Because the beast must die, Liam. Well, and you know. The beast must die. Someone had already made the most dangerous game. The is beast must long? die. This is the most. The beast must die. The mostest dangerous game, I think you could have called The even more this? dangerous game. Yeah. The game that's slightly more dangerous than the other game. Man is not the most dangerous. I'm pretty sure like a fucking Bengal tiger. Yeah, if you were like, look, I'm going to put you in this pit. In one pit, there's a dude. In the other pit, there's a real pissed off Bengal tiger. I'll take the dude yeah. pit. Give me the dude pit. Yeah. The dude pit. The group The group is composed That's of... That's the name of our club. Yes. <laughs> dude pit. That's where uh, Al Pacino from Cruising would go. <laughs> uh, the group is composed of Arthur Bennington, who's a diplomat. Jan and Davina Gilmore, a pianist and his ex-student now wife. Jan looks up and looks like Jan was in some strange 
Paul Foote, who is the most insufferable fucking character in this entire movie, an artist who's releasing released from prison for cannibalism. Hippies were always eating people yeah. for no reason. Liam, can you say red herring? I could. I Perf- could. And then we have Professor Ludgren, an archaeologist and lycanthropy enthusiast. Now, what makes someone an enthusiast? Apparently, it's knowing everything you could possibly know about werewolves and it being actual facts and not just shit you, you made you up made up from the Middle Ages or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he is the only person who knows anything about what's going on. And most of it's wrong. Much of it is wrong. Yeah. Yes. Can you start calling me a UFO enthusiast? I mean, I already do. Okay. So they all stay in this house where they're constantly fucking mocked and ridiculed by Tom Newcliffe. Uh, and they have this like this surveillance system that he says is like cutting edge, but in 2019, this is like I could I could easily get around that. That's the shittiest security system I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, he's basically a dude who just ran a bunch of wires. So now there's fucking handheld mics and weird bad cameras throughout yeah. the forest that don't do house. anything. No, and then there's one guy in a room looking at a wall of TVs. Small TVs, it's but stupid. in a room that, it, by the way, is easily accessible from multiple ways. So. It, imagine having a really important security hub, but then you're like, we need six doors and a skylight to get yeah. into this room. Because no one, no one ever. This is what's crazy. This is what's so interesting about having a security station. No one goes after the security station ever. It never no. happens. No one thinks you can't track me if I fuck up your tracking room. Yeah, that no, never happens. No one ever. Whenever certainly like, not a dog. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Batman for example. Nothing bad ever happened to Barbara Gordon. Never. Never. Never never once did anything bad ever happen to Barbara Gordon. She just walked through life. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. So this movie quickly degenerates into this stupid game of fucking Clue. And it is just... It's just... I mean, I, I know a lot of people really like this movie. I had a professor in college who fucking loved this movie. And I don't think it's really bad, but it's so ridiculous. And it's... Even when I watch this the first time... When they this Paul Foot guy, I'm like, there's no way that guy's the actual killer. Yeah, it's so it's obvious. so they might have well just fucking dumped a bucket of red paint and herring on his head. Subtle, Justin. Subtle. Subtle. Very, I'm, I am. I am. If anything, subtle. But so this movie quickly de- de- quickly degenerates into like guessing games. People are dying. It's the problem is it's 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 um, it promises to be a taut thriller, which it is not. It tries to be a chamber mystery. Mm, thing about mysteries is there's clues. Yeah, there's no clues in this movie. This movie doesn't... I mean, there's a clue as a film watcher where you go, it's it's that guy. I guess there's no other real viable option here. It's that guy. Yeah. I think that's, that is the guy. Yeah. There's a scene where, spoiler, it's Jan, the pian- piano player. There's a scene where he sits down and he plays he plays Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. If you consider that a clue, that's a clue. That's a clue. Where was they? They 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 love they love the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, in this too, you uh, you have to like werewolves have to have an, an allergic reaction for them to even be affected by silver. Yeah, it's weird. They they do all this shit where they're like they'll like there's a scene where they like they pass around. Um, like a like a silver candle, and then when nothing works, he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. There has to be wolf spade in the air." 
So then, like, they make this like wolf spin, and it's like, oh, but there has to be a full moon, and you're like, like. Also, by the way, I don't know a lot about Wolfsbane. Wasn't aware that you just blow on a plant and all this pollen just he blows on a he blows on this plant and literally a giant dust of pollen. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is he? No plant works that way. Yeah. What's happening right now? Uh, and you know how much actual werewolf attack happens in this movie? At twice. And it's just a dog. Yeah. A dog jumps around. There are so many rules to being a werewolf in this movie that if I became a werewolf in this movie, I would want to die because my life would be so fucking restricted by so many stupid rules. It doesn't make it. It's so dumb. And, and the whole reason that these people are there is because of the various murders and deaths around them, for which we never receive any. So in reality, it's very possible that every single one of these people is actually a murderer. Yeah. It, it's possible that them being a werewolf is possibly the the, the least problematic <laughs> thing about them. The werewolf guy, it's like, well, at least he has an excuse. Why did all your friends yeah. die, hey, Paul Foot, Red Herring? Paul Foot, why did you literally eat a person? Well, he's a hippie. I mean, here's the thing. This is one of the things you have to understand going in this movie. One, all hippies are cannibals. That's just... Yeah, it's a fact. That's just a fact. Uh, two, once you're on an island, you can't possibly escape. No. There's no way to get off the island. Three... Um, Rich people are so bored and have so many resources that they can afford to set up a security system on their entire island just to kill one werewolf. By the way, they're not sure that a werewolf is real, but they're pretty sure yeah, a werewolf yeah. is real. Let, let's talk about the werewolf. <laughs> so this... We're not kidding when we say it's literally just a slightly bigger than normal dog with a little bit of extra fur. And not only is it like that, but they didn't even go, they didn't even like train this dog properly to not display, uh, to sort of like, because you know, like, do- like there's a scene where this werewolf is about to attack someone and it's just standing on a chimney with its like tongue out. Like it's like, it's like smiling like a dog does. And it's like, it's not threatening at all. It's not even growling. It's, not, it's just like standing there like... They couldn't even get a mean dog. Yeah, it's like standing there panting. And, I mean, again, like if you want to have the, the, hell, the hellhound design for a werewolf, that's fine. But this isn't a hellhound. This is like my neighbor's dog, Max, who I occasionally play fetch with. Like this dog, this werewolf is almost bested by the dog that they have on the estate. And you're probably saying, well, yeah, they probably have like an Irish wolfhound. No, it's like a fucking golden retriever. There's a fight between this dog and a dog that if you saw it in the park you go hey puppers and yeah. immediately just touch it because you would assume this dog couldn't possibly bite me look at what a sweet little yeah. doggy it is are we talking about the werewolf because i would feel that way if i saw the yeah, werewolf too true, true 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 but this werewolf is like taking the task by a dog and again not a rottweiler not a doberman not a pitbull not a pack of irish wolfhounds not a doggo a fucking do- fucking benji like it was it was literally a dog slightly larger than Benji. Yeah. It's insane. It's just the in, okay, first of all, the movie starts with our main character being hunted by the security forces he's hired. But we don't know that. We just see a bunch of British people chasing a black guy. Yeah. Just chasing him and you're like, "What movie did, did we rent?" <laughs> did we rent the wrong What is, is this roots? What's going on What's here? What's happening right now? turns out he's the rich dude um and you may know him from a bunch of 
I will say this. This is a pretty storied cast. There's yes. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, these people, are, you know them from other things, including the narrator from Rocky Horror Picture Show um, uh, and the female lead from Gajin Hess, which is basically gold. Yes. You know, I love that. But uh, he's just a bored rich... He's just... He's hunted a lot of things, I guess. And yeah. Now he's going to hunt a, were- a werewolf, which, by the way, hunting in this case means trapping a werewolf in your house with more surveillance than you would ever have hunting any other animal yeah. and then still almost dying because you suck at this. But, 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 but. He does die. Right. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> even when he dies, it's at least by choice because this werewolf is not intimidating in any way, shape, or form. No. He's basically hunting a dog. The difference is if this dog <laughs> gets mad and bites you, you're going to turn into a dog too. Yeah. I'm okay with that though. I would let the werewolf bite me. Yeah, sure. Uh, here's the other thing this movie has. It has an annoying gimmick. And oh my god, the, I want the wolf to, break. Here's the deal. I want to like gimmicks. I I tend to like gimmicks. You know, if the idea that I could go see the Tingler in a theater where I would get tingled on my rump. Yeah, I'm into that actually. The wolf gimmick is so... We got this narrator dude who's like, it was a werewolf and you're going to have the opportunity to die, all this stuff. And then right before the big reel, it's like, have you figured it out? Here's a minute or 30 seconds, 30 seconds. for you to figure out who the werewolf is. Oh, man, fuck you, dude. Yeah, I Come don't on. care. It's not... And, it, you know, that's not on the director. He didn't want that in the movie. They added that later. It's definitely like, I mean, I guess there's something fun about that, that it's like so cornball, whatever. I like the fact that, like, can you guess who the werewolf is? It's like, yes, I have to guess because you've given me no fucking clues. First of all, there's no clues. Yeah. Second of all, I did guess correctly, but that's only because there's only so many options left. Yeah. So it's, prob- it's probably on. Oh, it's on? Okay, cool. Yeah. There, there wasn't, there was no detective work there. And no one else is doing any detective work either, by the way. Yeah. He basically what happens is our very rich, very loud, very angry uh, lead. Uh, uh, he just decides he doesn't like this fucking hippie, and this fucking hippie has to be the werewolf. Why? Because he's a hippie. No fucking reason at all. There's literally no evidence to suggest that he is the werewolf in any way, shape, or form. But he decides. This is the werewolf. And so then we just have to deal with him harassing this hippie who's just kind of like, I don't care, man, whatever. I oh. dare you to kill me. Dying would be a stone groove. And then finally he's like, oh, wait, I got to get out of here because it turns out I don't want to get eaten by a werewolf. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, too bad, buddy, because yeah. that's what's going to happen. Fuck you. Yeah, you're going to get killed um, by this dog. So I, I feel like we're being pretty harsh on it. Uh, I will say, if you're someone who... I feel like if you're the kind of person who likes truly schlocky crap, like you just think <laughs> things are, that sounds like a bust. I'm not even trying to be mean. If you're into schlocky, over-the-top, ridiculous stuff, this might qualify for you. Is it as good as, uh, I don't know, like a Ed Wood film or something? No, it's Is it not. as fun as an Ed Wood film? It's not quite as fun. No. As an Ed Wood film. But it is kind of schlocky. I don't know. The movie ended, and I was like, that was a piece of crap. <laughs> but then when I thought about it, I'm like, I was pretty engaged the whole time, though. Uh, was I engaged mostly with my this is bad brain making fun of it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was. But I was engaged. And I will say, 
that's even though I think in a lot of ways Asylum is a better made, more respectable movie. And if you ask me which movie I liked, I'd say, well, I liked Asylum and I didn't really like uh, The Beast Must Die. Uh, didn't fall asleep during The Beast Must Die, though. <laughs> Almost did at one point, And uh, Suze poked me because she watched it with us, which will give you an idea of how scary this movie is. Yeah. My, my wife watched the whole thing. Uh, and so clearly not that scary. But uh, but I was engaged with it. I think if you enjoy things, again, we kind of make fun of this idea. There are, in fact, people who like to watch things that aren't very good because that's funny and fun for them. And that's not really Justin's vibe. For me, I have some exceptions. Um, a lot of times I prefer something is both. It's poorly made, but it has a lot of heart, and it's really trying yes. to do something. And this isn't quite that. It's not plucky like that. It's not like sweet like that. It really is like a studio just failed to make a gripping movie. This, this does not have... This is not a bad film made in earnest, which is hard business rule 77. Is that a bad film made, yes. made in earnest is always better than a bad film made on purpose. This has this arrogance and right. weight to it of a major studio picture that right. fucking collapses under its own weight. Well, let's say major in quotes. Quote unquote major yeah, Amicus was never major. But, but you know, they made movies that made money yes. sometimes. But this was, a, this was a low period for them. I don't know. Parts of it are charming and silly, but it does it ever succeed at what it wants to be, which is a serious movie? No. No, it never even comes fucking close. And it's something about that failure that I find interesting, uh, but is it as good as other movies that I'd say, oh, that movie's bad, but kind of charming? No, it's not. So if you're, let's say you're a, uh, a schlocky horror completist and you're like, oh, British, schlocky, I want to watch that? Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend Yeah. You'll probably have fun with it. If you're someone who's like, I don't know, I, I usually prefer movies that are actually good. Guess what? <laughs> Maybe skip this. This might not be up your alley. I think Peter Cushing is great in it. He's the our, our werewolf enthusiast, and I love him. I think he he almost is miscast in this movie, <laughs> if only to the extent that he's just like, you know, he's done this before. He's yeah. doing his thing. It, he works. Our main dude is trying really hard, but he just can't. He's trying to be so imperial and like, I am the great hunter, and one yeah. of you is a werewolf. And you're like, bro, just dial it back. And especially when your wife is over here like, man, what you talking about? Like, she's yeah. just like so relaxed and so not putting on airs that she just, they don't fit together really. No, they don't. Um, the only part that really kind of works is when she becomes a werewolf. Does it work though? Because the werewolf transformation scene is literally the camera cutting away when it cuts back. There's a dog in her chair. That's true. <laughs> it works for the character. It works for the plot. There is no trans. There are no. I mean, here's what really what we have to say about this movie. This is a werewolf movie with no special effects. Not entirely true. The transformation scene from the wolf corpse back to Jan. It's horrible, and it looks like I did it, but technically that counts as a special effect. First of all, that is. So this is a werewolf movie with one special effects sequence. <laughs> it's terrible. The entire film. And two, it's so bad. It's not even close. You've seen better things on the CW in the 90s. Oh, my God, yeah. It's so painful. Um, that being said, I don't know. It's fine. I was actually thinking about this. I think this movie might be a movie that could have benefited from a remake about 20 years ago. I agree. Um, now I don't think so, so much, but... You know, back when like they did like the house on Haunted Hill, yeah. You know, the haunting and all that, like Thirteen Ghosts. I think yeah. this would have been a really cool movie to remake back then. 
I still think you could do it now. It's just hard because I think the interest in doing a werewolf movie is like non-existent. Like Unfortunately. I, I don't think there would be a trailer for a werewolf movie and, and only the deepest horror fans would be excited. Most people would be like, is it a werewolf? No, I'm good. You know? Um, but yeah, make this actually exciting. Yeah. Actually have a scary werewolf. Actually have clues. Actually make it a mystery. Actually have a werewolf and not a dog. Not a big old cute doggy who yeah. just wants cuddles. The That's what it looks going, like. Just give the doggy some cuddles. He'll be fine. Yeah. Also, uh, maybe make it a little harder to kill the guy watching all the security cameras. Yeah, put him in like a vault. Yeah. All right, so that was uh, The Beast Must Die. I feel bad we're not giving you more to say about these two movies, and maybe that makes this a bummer episode. That's eh, fine. I think I think it the was reality fine. is there's not a lot more to say. These are not yeah. that engaging. I mean, I do think uh, sort of socio-culturally, you know, I think these are movies that are like transitional movies for advocates. Like, I, I think they did other stuff that is better. Uh, I really think that's very true of The Beast Must Die. The Beast Must Die just doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know the movie it wants to be. And this no. is from what year? 74. Yeah. I think 74 is like a year where you're like, yo, you got to put some grit in there, buddy. Yeah, you we're gotta... six years out from An American Werewolf and uh, The Howling. Yeah. Like, there's got to be an edge. This movie yeah. has no edge. It has no harsh. There's no grit. I mean, you certainly couldn't call this at all. There, there's no exploitation edge. You know what I mean? There's no thing here. The gimmick, the only gimmick... Seems to be the fucking werewolf clock, which is the worst part. <laughs> Literally, other than the werewolf itself, is the worst part of the movie, is the stupid werewolf clock. Yeah. And that's their big, like, oh, you're going to guess who it is. It's, 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 it doesn't work. But again, uh, I do think for a certain kind of audience, this could work. It is very, there are parts of it that I want to complain to y'all about. But if I think about it, I kind of liked a little bit. Like some of the acting is so over the top. I kind of liked that. It's not a boring movie. No. Yeah, but it's not good. No, I I do wish the uh, the werewolf that's on the cover was in the movie. The, the cover is a complete misdirect. Yeah, nothing about the cover is actually related to the movie. Yeah, so unfortunately, yeah, because I would I would really love like the conniving sneaky. Yeah, uh, put it just look, guys, guys, just put a dude in some fur, just a dude in fur. It doesn't have to actually be scary. Yeah, a dude in fur would have been more interesting than. The puppers we got. Yeah, the, the 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 goof that we got that was running around. All right, so that was The Beast Must Die. Thank you always for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you can go to www.cinepunks.com and find past episodes, as well as more episodes of some other quality podcasts on our network. We're also on all the, all the Johns. All the Johns. Spotify, fucking iTunes, fucking Stitcher. All the Johns. And if you happen to go on iTunes, be a sweetheart and leave us a good review. Please. Please. It would be it would be so amazing if you if you did that. And as always, you gotta rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download three times. Download once, delete, download again. You know how it goes. So uh, until next time, John Landis's murder. Bye.